May 23rd. As we look into the Old Testament today, we'll be reading from the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 12, and we'll go through chapter 3, verse 39. And here's what's going on there just before we read. David's tribe of Judah anointed him king and set up his headquarters in Hebron. But Abner, Saul's cousin and commander of his army, made Saul's son king and opened defiance of God's will. Whenever we fail to submit to God's will, we cause division and bring destruction. Three murders will occur before David becomes king of all the people. Azahel, Abner, and Ishbosheth all will be murdered. All of that blood would not have been shed if the leaders had only submitted to God's chosen king instead of seeking their own advantage. Joab and Azahel were related to David. So there were both family and national considerations. Had everybody put the glory of the Lord and the good of the nation first, tragedies would have been avoided. And in 2 Samuel chapter 3, we see the trusting in the Lord. David went from strength to strength. He was God's anointed and knew that God would fulfill his promise and make him king over all Israel. When you walk by faith, you can wait on him. Abner also grew in strength, not the strength of the Lord, but political power. He had more authority than the king, for he had made Ishbosheth king. Abner's use of power to please himself ended up being his downfall. Now David's way of life was reconciliation. He was a peacemaker. But Abner and Joab lived by retaliation. You remember the scripture, of course, in Matthew chapter 26, verse 52, which says, All who take the sword will perish by the sword. Abner had murdered Azahel, and his sin had found him out. But Joab's deed was wicked, and David disassociated himself from it. Imagine Joab avenging his brother's blood at Hebron, a city of refuge. While David was strong, yet he was weak. When we are weak in ourselves, the Lord can be strong through us. Now, we cannot control circumstances and people, but we can control what we say and do. And with that, let's begin today's reading in the Old Testament. May 23rd, 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 12. Chapter 3, verse 39. One day, Abner led some of Ishbosheth's troops from Mahanaim to Gibeon. About the same time, Joab, son of Zeruiah, led David's troops from Hebron, and they met Abner at the pool of Gibeon. The two groups sat down there, facing each other from opposite sides of the pool. Then Abner suggested to Joab, Let's have a few of our warriors put on an exhibition of hand-to-hand combat. All right, Joab agreed. So twelve men were chosen from each side to fight against each other. Each one grabbed his opponent by the hair and thrust his sword into the other's side, so that all of them died. The place has been known ever since as the Field of Swords. The two armies then began to fight each other, And by the end of the day, Abner and the men of Israel had been defeated by the forces of David. Joab, Abishai, and Azahel, the three sons of Zeruiah, were among David's forces that day. 
Azahel could run like a deer, and he began chasing Abner. He was relentless and single-minded in his pursuit. When Abner looked back and saw him coming, he called out, Is that you, Azahel? Yes, it is, he replied. Go fight someone else, Abner warned. Take on one of the younger men and strip him of his weapons. But Azahel refused and kept right on chasing Abner. Again, Abner shouted to him, Get away from here! I will never be able to face your brother Joab if I have to kill you! But Azahel would not give up. So Abner thrust the butt end of his spear through Azahel's stomach, and the spear came out through his back. He stumbled to the ground and died there. And everyone who came by that spot stopped and stood still when they saw Azahel lying there. When Joab and Abishai found out what had happened, they set out after Abner. The sun was just going down as they arrived at the hill of Amma near Gia, along the road to the wilderness of Gibeon. Abner's troops from the tribe of Benjamin regrouped there at the top of the hill to take a stand. Abner shouted down to Joab, "'Must we always solve our differences with swords? Don't you realize the only thing we will gain is bitterness toward each other? When will you call off your men from chasing their Israelite brothers?' Then Joab said, "'God only knows what would have happened if you hadn't spoken.' for we would have chased you all night if necessary. So Joab blew his trumpet, and his men stopped chasing the troops of Israel. All that night, Abner and his men retreated through the Jordan Valley. They crossed the Jordan River, traveling all through the morning, and they did not stop until they arrived at Mahanaim. Meanwhile, Joab and his men also returned home. When Joab counted his casualties— he discovered that only nineteen men were missing, in addition to Azahel. But three hundred and sixty of Abner's men, all from the tribe of Benjamin, had been killed. Joab and his men took Azahel's body to Bethlehem and buried him there beside his father. Then they traveled all night and reached Hebron at daybreak. That was the beginning of a long war between those who had been loyal to Saul and those who were loyal to David. As time passed, David became stronger and stronger, while Saul's dynasty became weaker and weaker. These were the sons who were born to David in Hebron. The oldest was Amnon, whose mother was Ahinoam of Jezreel. The second was Kiliab, whose mother was Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. The third was Absalom, whose mother was Mahakah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. The fourth was Adonijah, whose mother was Haggith. The fifth was Shepatiah, whose mother was Abital. The sixth was Ithriam, whose mother was David's wife Eglah. These sons were all born to David in Hebron. As the war went on, Abner became a powerful leader among those who were loyal to Saul's dynasty. One day, Ishbosheth. Saul's son, accused Abner of sleeping with one of his father's concubines, a woman named Rizpah. Abner became furious. "'Am I a Judean dog to be kicked around like this?' he shouted. "'After all I have done for you and your father by not betraying you to David, is this my reward, that you find fault with me about this woman?' 
May God deal harshly with me if I don't help David get all that the Lord has promised him. I should just go ahead and give David the rest of Saul's kingdom. I should set him up as king over Israel, as well as Judah, from Dan to Beersheba. Ishbosheth didn't dare say another word, because he was afraid of what Abner might do. Then Abner sent messengers to David, saying, Let's make an agreement, and I will help turn the entire nation of Israel over to you. All right, David replied, but I will not negotiate with you unless you bring back my wife Michael, Saul's daughter, when you come. David then sent this message to Ishbosheth, Saul's son. Give me back my wife Michael, for I bought her with the lives of one hundred Philistines. So Ishbosheth took Michael away from her husband Palti, son of Laish. Palti followed along behind her as far as Bahurim, weeping as he went. Then Abner told him, Go back home. So Palti returned. Meanwhile, Abner had consulted with the leaders of Israel. For some time now, he told them, you have wanted to make David your king. Now is the time, for the Lord has said, I have chosen David to save my people from the Philistines and from all their other enemies. Abner also spoke with the leaders of the tribe of Benjamin. Then he went to Hebron to tell David that all the people of Israel and Benjamin supported him. When Abner came to Hebron with his twenty men, David entertained them with a great feast. Then Abner said to David, Let me go and call all the people of Israel to your side. They will make a covenant with you to make you their king. Then you will be able to rule over everything your heart desires. So David sent Abner safely on his way. But just after Abner left, Joab and some of David's troops returned from a raid, bringing much plunder with them. When Joab was told that Abner had just been there visiting the king and had been sent away in safety, he rushed to see the king. "'What have you done?' he demanded. "'What do you mean by letting Abner get away? You know perfectly well that he came to spy on you and to discover everything you are doing.' Joab then left David and sent messengers to catch up with Abner. They found him at the pool of Sirah and brought him back with them. But David knew nothing about it. When Abner arrived at Hebron, Joab took him aside at the gateway as if to speak with him privately. But then he drew a dagger and killed Abner in revenge for killing his brother Azahel. When David heard about it, he declared, I vow by the Lord that I and my people are innocent of this crime against Abner. Joab and his family are the guilty ones. May his family and every generation be cursed with a man who has open sores or leprosy, or who walks on crutches, or who dies by the sword, or who begs for food. So Joab and his brother Abishai killed Abner because Abner had killed their brother Azahel at the battle of Gibeon. Then David said to Joab and all those who were with him, Tear your clothes and put on sackcloth. Go into deep mourning for Abner. And King David himself walked behind the procession to the grave. They buried Abner in Hebron, and the king and all the people wept at his graveside. Then the king sang this funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as fools die? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not chained. No, you were murdered, the victim of a wicked plot. All the people wept again for Abner. 
David had refused to eat anything the day of the funeral, and now everyone begged him to eat. But David had made a vow, saying, May God kill me if I eat anything before sundown. This pleased the people very much. In fact, everything the king did pleased them. So everyone in Judah and Israel knew that David was not responsible for Abner's death. Then King David said to the people, Do you not realize that a great leader and a great man has fallen today in Israel? And even though I am the anointed king, these two sons of Zeruiah, Joab, and Abishai are too strong for me to control. So may the Lord repay these wicked men for their wicked deeds. May 23rd. And as we look to the New Testament, today's reading will take place in the book of John, chapter 13, verses 1 through 30. And here we'll learn what Jesus knew. Because of what Jesus knew, he did what he did. He washed the disciples' feet. Jesus knew where he came from and where he was going. He knew that the Father had given him all things. If you have all things in your hand, you'll have no problem picking up a towel and serving others. Jesus taught them a lesson in fellowship and in keeping themselves clean before the Lord. We'll also learn what the disciples knew. Jesus taught them a second lesson. True happiness comes from humble service. Jesus gave them an example that we must follow today. Alas, soon after this lesson, the disciples began to argue over who was the greatest. All right, with that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. May 23rd, John chapter 13, verses 1 through 30. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He now showed the disciples the full extent of his love. It was time for supper, and the devil had already enticed Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to carry out his plan to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel he had around him. When he came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, "'Lord, why are you going to wash my feet?' Jesus replied, You don't understand now why I'm doing it. Some day you will. No, Peter protested. You will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, But if I don't wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you are clean. But that isn't true of everyone here. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because it is true. And since I, the Lord and Teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. 
Do as I have done to you. How true it is that a servant is not greater than the master, nor are messengers more important than the one who sends them. You know these things, now do them. That is the path of blessing. I am not saying these things to all of you. I know so well each one of you I chose. The Scriptures declare, The one who shares my food has turned against me, and this will soon come true. I tell you this now, so that when it happens you will believe I am the Messiah. Truly, anyone who welcomes my messenger is welcoming me, and anyone who welcomes me is welcoming the Father who sent me. Now Jesus was in great anguish of spirit, and he exclaimed, The truth is, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at each other, wondering whom he could mean. One of Jesus' disciples, the one Jesus loved, was sitting next to Jesus at the table. Simon Peter motioned to him to ask, Who would do this terrible thing? Leaning toward Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? Jesus said, It is the one to whom I give the bread dipped in the sauce. And when he had dipped it, he gave it to Judas, son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas had eaten the bread, Satan entered into him. Then Jesus told him, Hurry, do it now. None of the others at the table knew what Jesus meant. Since Judas was their treasurer, some thought Jesus was telling him to go and pay for the food or to give some money to the poor. So Judas left at once, going out into the night. Today we're reading from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16. Now the theme of this unique psalm is the Word of God. Every verse, except five, refers to God's Word, what it is, and what it can do in your life if you let it. The arrangement is also quite unique. There are 22 sections of eight lines each, and the lines in each individual section begin with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The first eight lines begin with Aleph, the next eight with Beth, and so on through all 22 letters. This may have been a device to help people memorize the psalm. Now the writer had a great love for the Word of God and was persecuted because he obeyed God and opposed sin. Most of the verses are either prayers for God's help or affirmations of the writer's faith in God's truth despite his difficulties. Now meditating on this psalm ought to make you love and treasure the Word of God more and more and obey it more willingly. Our approach will be to emphasize in each section one special ministry of the Word to your life. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 16. Happy are people of integrity, who follow the law of the Lord. Happy are those who obey His decrees, and search for Him with all their hearts. They do not compromise with evil, and they walk only in His paths. You have charged us to keep Your commandments carefully. Oh, that my actions would consistently reflect Your principles. Then I will not be disgraced, when I compare my life with your commands. When I learn your righteous laws, I will thank you by living as I should. I will obey your principles. Please don't give up on me. How can a young person stay pure? By obeying your word 
and following its rules. I've tried my best to find you. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your principles. I have recited aloud all the laws you have given us. I have rejoiced in your decrees as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your principles and not forget your word. Proverbs chapter 15 verses 29 and 30 The Lord is far from the wicked, but He hears the prayers of the righteous. A cheerful look brings joy to the heart. Good news makes for good health.